Hey everyone, welcome to this week's sermon podcast of B Church. Here, you can listen to our latest weekly sermons for your spiritual growth. We believe that this message will really bless you. Amen. All right, so I'm going to read from the book of John, chapter 16. We're going to start there in the book of John, and it says from verse 13 When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. And He will glorify me, for He will take what is mine and declare it to you. And all that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that He will take what is mine and declare it to you. Verse 20. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. Amen. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but you'll see again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. And in that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly I say to you, Whatever you ask of the Father in my name, He will give it to you. Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive, that your joy may be full. Verse 33. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Come on, amen. I just see the Lord, how He exchanged a sorrow for joy. That He says that my peace, not the world. He says, in the world you'll have tribulations. But my peace I give to you. And I says that it will never leave you. No one can take that away from you. No one can take that away from you. And I just sense, it's some of you, um, Niels, he's sitting here in his arm. They had a a baby girl. We want to congratulate them. And... uh, you were not here. I don't know if you watched online when we congratulated you. But uh, when it happened, that's the thing, you know. So when you go into that contractions, it's painful. But the Word says it's exactly like that. But soon that sorrow is gone and your joy is full for the life that has been given. And maybe some of you, you are in that place where you feel these contractions, where there's pain, where there's sorrow. But I, I want to encourage you that Jesus says here, There's a joy that comes that no one will take from you. There's a joy that is going to give to you for He has overcome the world. Amen. For He has overcome the world and therefore you can live in that place. I want to touch again something to remind you. uh, After this whole weekend, I was praying. I said, Lord, what do we need to do? Because there's so much. Where do we go? What direction? And I, I felt the Lord speaking again to remind us about being sons of God. Sonship. It's all about identity and understanding so that you can fulfill your, your purpose. You can fulfill your mandate. You can do, we received so much. But it's useless if you don't know who you are and what you need to walk in. If you don't have that confidence. If you cannot stand in that place. So I believe God again wants to remind us and touch hearts and heal hearts where we haven't been healed. 
Because when Adam fell in the Garden of Eden, when sin took place, he lost earth and he lost dominion over earth. In other words, we, we lost our legal representation of heaven on earth. Because God gave, He says, I am the king, I have a dominion in heaven, and I want to extend it to earth. And therefore, as He created earth, He extended it, He says, I want to make you to have dominion over. So we've been given that dominion. But because of sin, God says, you shall surely die. And death to a creator means this, disconnection and independence from the kingdom of God. Come on. God calls us, He gave us a kingdom and we lost what we had. We lost that what we carried and God comes and He wants to restore something. That loss means that we lost a position, a disposition. We gained self-consciousness and shame. So much aware of us, fear, intimidation of authority. God gave us dominion. Instead of having dominion and authority over, we became fearful of authority. And instead of having dominion over, we started dominating each other. And God says, that's not what He calls us to dominate one another, but to have dominion because we are a body. And He says, each member needs to function. And we cannot dominate each other. Then we, we, are, we are not constructed or we're not moving or operating as we should be. We are dysfunctional. That's why you need to understand sonship. You need to understand who you are and your identity that you can understand. Oh, I fit in here. I am a pinky. I am a toe. Someone needs to be the navel, right? Someone needs to be the lung. Some, the eyes. And if you start understanding your identity and who you are and where you need to function, we can start operating. And so many times we don't see things and we say, oh, the church has got no power. But the church has got no power because one part pulls there and one part pulls there. Each part wants to do his own thing. But if we, if we understand what we need to do in unity, yes, there's pain and discomfort that we have. But as we lost that dominion, God wants to restore something. And what we've done because we've lost something, remember a while back I spoke on the template of glory in our hearts, that there's a God template in our hearts, a place that says everybody knows God, but Paul says, but you actually do not know Him as well. But you know Him because actually there's a template that He has formed in our hearts for the glory but we fill our hearts with so many other things that there's no place for the glory to come. And now God says, I need you to function. And, and ever since, our vain attempts has been religion to restore kingdom or to bring God's presence, to compensate for that what we've lost. We've tried to do religion, patterns, forms, every activity that we try, but it's actually just self-centered. And we're searching God's kingdom. And no matter how hard we try and what we do, I want to tell you that we can never find an infinite God by our finite human resources trying to, it's religion, trying to find Him with our efforts and things. You see, God desires to bring us back to relationship, intimacy, to understand that you're not a slave, you're not a, a servant, you're a son. In other words, He returned us to a kingdom brings us back to a kingdom so so religion and our patterns and that what we try was our form to to substitute kingdom because religion can never satisfy us there's something that never can fill because that god temple is made for god's glory it's made for god's presence 
So if we try to substitute it with other things, it's never going to match. It's trying to put that, that square in a round hole or the, 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 the round peg into a square hole. You're trying to match something that cannot be matched. We're trying to fill this God template for glory with religion and with other things. But God comes and He actually announced and He says, Hey, kingdom solves man's problem. Kingdom solves, all right? Religion is designed to keep you busy. Come on, who of you have tried to do great works? And you, and you just start to get to understand that works is hard work. It's hard work to keep on doing works. And if you try to do works to, to fill your assignment for the kingdom, all right? Because religion actually brings activities. There's too much work, work, work. That's what Jesus is trying to tell us in Matthew 5. He says this, verse 3 to 6. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. What he announces, kingdom is the solution. Solution is not religion and works and all these things. The solution to what we have come on, just give us one amen this morning. Okay, are you with me? So he says, religion tries to do works, but blessed is he who is poor in spirit. He actually says, less work, less effort. The less you try, the more you just walk in the spirit, the more the fruit will come. But you've been trying and trying your very best, but you fail because you can only try for so long. You can only keep up for so long. And maybe you've done it three weeks or four weeks or one month or two months, but then somewhere you crash and burn. And that's what Paul says, oh man, what a wretched man I am. You fail. And that's what he says, I don't want you to have works and effort. I want you to have kingdom. The kingdom brings solution to your, it brings comfort to your mourning. It brings a release to your pain. It brings a release to your sickness. It brings a release to your worries and your fears, your, your relationship, all these things. There's a positioning. There's a governing that I want you to do. But because we don't and we don't walk in that because of sonship, we don't understand our identity. We try to fill it with the works. We try to fill it with that to keep it busy, to make it look good. Try our very best. So religion is hard work. You will never find rest until you find the kingdom. Until you find the kingdom. You see, religion is actually the toil of mankind in his search for the kingdom. God wants you to live in the kingdom. Because then when signs and miracles happen, he says, when you see these things, the kingdom has come. It's among you. Matthew 11, 28 to 30 says, Come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Come on. When God comes with kingdom, He doesn't place more demands on you. He says, actually, when you take up kingdom, my yoke is not burdensome, it's light. So if you think like, I need to work harder, you still have the wrong mindset. Mentality of a servant, maybe. Mentality of a slave. When you start having a mentality of a son, something shifts. You see, God's purpose was to establish a family of sons, not servants. 
That's his heart. He wanted you to, to be with him. And that's why he said, I want to extend and you need to rule and reign with me. You don't become a servant. We are, understand what I'm saying when I'm saying servants. We are servants of God, but, but there's, a, you're, there's a servant mentality or there's a son mentality. And he says, you are not subjects. You are co-heirs. Come on. A kingdom that I want to give to you. I don't want to give to you a religious organization. There's a commonwealth of citizens. Religion has got members. You don't become a member of the kingdom. Okay, amen. You become a citizen. I'll also give one or two amens. I'll help you today. God wanted to establish relationship. Extended His heavenly government as, on, as, is, as it is in heaven so manifest on earth. He wanted to just extend that. Influence earth from heaven through mankind. You see, so the servant is not the same as a son. Servant is different. (coughs) God originally intended to extend His kingdom through mankind. Let's read the book of Romans 8 from verse 14. All who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Say, I'm a son of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Alright, so Jesus comes and He speaks. Paul speaks there about being sons of God. Those who are led by the Spirit, we carry the Spirit. You are a son of God. And Jesus Himself in John 8 comes and he makes a clear distinction between a servant and a son and we quote he who the son sets free is free indeed but this is the context what he says there's a distinction between servants and sons john 30 john 8 31 to 36 to the jews who had believed in him jesus said if you hold to my teaching you are really my disciples then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free and they answered him and says, We are Abraham's descendants and never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be free? And Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sinned is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a song, son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Come on, Jesus said here that, that there's members of a family. And he speaks to them and he says, Hey, if you bow your knee to sin, you're not free. You're not a son, you're a slave. You're a slave to sin. But when he comes and sets you free, you become free indeed. All right? Sons are members of families, not servants. Servants work in the house, but they, they don't belong. They're not the member of the family. And from the beginning, the, the beginning God wanted to create offspring who would relate to him in love. God says that, hey, slaves or hired hands that only obey him out of obligation, that's not what I want. God says, I don't want a slave or a mentality that obeys me out of obligation. I want you to relate to me out of love because God is love. And when he created you, he made you in love. So sons, on the other hand, they are part of a family. 
And when they're part of a family, they are heirs. Come on, do you understand that, that you are an heir? And I know in this world, we, we do things upside down. Some families are so disorientated and dysfunctional that the fathers disown their sons. But when you're a son of God, you cannot be disowned. You are sons, not subjects. That's what he says. God established a kingdom of sons. And you need to understand that you're not a subject. You're an heir with Christ. God didn't intend to rule us. It sounds strange. God didn't intend to rule us. What he says is that he created us in a family to rule and reign with him. God didn't create to rule over us. Come on. You see, if we struggle with those thoughts, we struggle with sonship. God didn't come to dominate and rule over you. He is the king. He's the ruler of all. But what he said concerning the earth is you're made in my image. You're made in my likeness. I've given you all authority. I've given you dominion. And I want you to become an extension of me. In the cool of the day they walked, they had communion with you see, so God didn't say, I wanted to have rulership. That's the nature of love. The nature of love is that is God is love. That's who He is. But we cannot love. Love is not complete and full unless you have a choice. Because I can, if we all were made like robots, forced to love Him back to respond, you had no choice. That's not real love. Only when you are free and when you have real love is when you have the ability to choose against it. Come on. If you can choose against it, then you can also choose it. Therefore, the nature of God's love, love is giving. And He gives you a choice. And when He gives you that choice, He wants you to respond back. That's why He says, you're not a slave, you're a son. So what I'm giving you is to become just an extension of who I am. So only the kingdom can really solve our problems. And Romans 8.15 that speaks about being a son, not a slave. I love the passion translation explains it to us that we can, you know, our mere, mere mortal humans we can understand. It says this. You did not receive the spirit of religious duty. Religion makes you work and work and work and you're trying your very best. And he says, you did not receive the spirit of religious duty. Religion was our substitute for kingdom. He says, leading you back into fear of not being good enough. Maybe just close your eyes here. We all struggle and are challenged with many things. And as I read the scripture again, listen to what your heart feels. Maybe there's something that God wants to highlight today and touch you on. You did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned, for as He rises up within us, our spirits join Him. In saying the words of tender affection, beloved Father. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as He whispers into our innermost being, You are God's beloved child. You can open your eyes. 
Sometimes we struggle to accept those words that we are God's beloved child. Sometimes we struggle to relate to Him as a father, to say that you are my father. Sometimes we struggle with the fear of never being good enough. And He says, I don't want to put you in religious duty, feeling you're not good enough. You're never going to make it. There's a love that He carries for you. There's a whispering of the Holy Spirit that you belong to Him. You're God's beloved children. That you, you were loved by Him. And often we don't feel like God's beloved children. Remember, kingdom is identity as well. It's not just what we do, it's who we are. Kingdom is who we are. It's about your identity. John 14, 17 says, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, you know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. So what he says is actually, I'm going to send my spirit and the spirit of the kingdom will be within you. You'll receive the spirit of the kingdom and his kingdom. Come on. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You will also live. By what spirit do you live? Every day as you walk, by what spirit do you live? Do you live as a son or do you live as a slave? Do you live as a son or do you live as an orphan? Because he says here, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come. An orphan spirit is sometimes our biggest enemy to understand sonship, to understand what God wants to do. You see, and an orphan spirit, we, we refer to it actually just as a spiritual condition that outwardly affects us. How we, we come, because sometimes we outward, outwardly profess God as our Father. Come on. But you experience an internal contradiction to that belief. Maybe you, you, you confess with your lips that He's a Father, that He's love and all these things, but your heart pulls in another direction because you don't experience that love. Because when you come, you feel like, I should confess Him. But where is that real love? Where's that sense of belongingness? Where's that sense of value? Where's that sense in me that I'm competent, that I can actually do? Because create, uh, when God created us to give us identity, you have to have legs of belongingness, value, and competency that's developed so that you can know who you are. And if there's a shortfall in your life, you struggle with identity. You struggle to understand who you are, what you need to do. By often I mean a sense of, of abandonment that you feel like, you know, there's a loneliness, there's an isolation, there's an alienation from people, from others, from God. And many times we tell us that I'm okay like this because you have learned to adapt with your dysfunction. You've learned to adapt with your dysfunction to say, I'm okay, that's, that's what I am or that's how I used to be. I've always been like this. But God wants to heal your heart. You see, signs that we struggle with this, there's, there's sometimes there's a lack of confidence in our hearts. There's a lack of confidence in our, in our lives. Sometimes we've got a crippling need for approval. We do things because we want to be approved. 
Sometimes you do things and, and see, if you need approval, you'll sometimes see this. You do certain things, but you'll always look at the people you want approval from. You do something, you like, you watch them. You watch, you want to see if there's approval. Because there's a lack here in your heart. Sometimes we struggle and you know that, that this is, this is a, there's an orphan spirit or there's a, there's a thing that God wants to heal when you struggle to empathize, empathize with others. You struggle to accept others. It's only you. You belong in this, but, but you know, you struggle to make room for others in your life. You, you struggle, you have the inability to receive love or to extend unconditional love to others. How many times people tell them they love you and you're like, oh, don't give up. No, that's... People want to give or to give unconditional love. God wants to come and touch in you. Romans 8.15 says, You receive the spirit of the adoption as sons by who we cry, Abba, Father. Unfortunately, the spirit operates still strongly. I have ministered on this before. But so often we've got layers and layers and layers and God wants to touch us and we think we're okay, but, but God wants to remind us on the things we haven't dealt with. God's never going to leave you and just say, okay, God wants to heal you and make you whole and complete. An orphan spirit, many times a, a person with that lacks emotional identity. We lack an identity of who we are. And we try to seek, and that's why it says, poor in spirit, all these things. The kingdom is not about efforts. The kingdom is not about your works. A person with this heart and this spirit or this mindset lacks emotional identity and seeks to find identity through their works, their efforts. So we love you when you serve. We love you. But sometimes those people that serve so much, there's actually a want and a need to become whole. Even in your serving, you need to have balance. In your serving, you need to be whole and complete. To serve with a joy, not with a need for acceptance. Symptoms. I'm, I'm, I'm just touching on symptoms that you can see where God wants to touch you. Sometimes when we struggle with this, we've got a critical spirit. We're defensive. Unable to take correction. We feel abandoned. We blame others. You know the story in Luke 15 about the prodigal son? Do you realize that the story of the prodigal sons, both sons struggle with an orphan spirit, not just the one, both sons, all right? The one spends his inheritance for pleasure. The other one works to earn his father's love. Both sons struggle with this, both sides. Doesn't realize he already has his father's favor. The thing is the youngest son repents that he ran from God, all these things, and he comes. And he runs to, to, to him. The oldest son, it represents many people in the church. You believe you're close to God. Hmm. But actually, your reality is you don't know God in his fullness. You're in the father's house, but you still have an orphan heart. You still have a poverty spirit. You see, the younger brother realizes his errors 
and his ways. But the older son tries to continue to earn his father's favor through his works. Do you understand that even a church can have an orphan spirit? Paul comes and he addresses the Galatians. All right? They, they started in the spirit because he says, by the Holy Spirit, sons of God, walk by the spirit. Those who are led by the spirit are the sons of God. And you start with the right identity and then you start losing it. Paul comes, Galatians 3 verse 1, and he says this to them. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish having begun by the Spirit, now you're being perfected by the flesh? Sons walk by the Spirit. He says, who has bewitched you? You walked in the Spirit. And slowly you started to come to a place where you do it by the flesh. And so often we start in the Spirit, but then that Spirit catches up with us. And instead of maintaining in your identity, because when you come to God, you're a new creation. We started back to the old habits, the old nature, because we're not whole and complete. We, we don't allow God to heal us. He says, do you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain. Does he who supply the spirit to you works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? So what he says is, what he actually says is this. When you have an orphan spirit, you become resistant to the work of the Holy Spirit. So sometimes if you struggle with Holy Spirit, it's maybe that you don't have wrong theology. Maybe it's not a theological issue. Maybe it's a heart that it's orphaned. And you struggle to understand the Spirit because the Holy Spirit leads you and those who carry the Spirit are the sons of God. And if you struggle to see or relate or accept, it's maybe a heart condition and not a theological condition. The orphan spirit needs to be healed. And I want to remind you, you know this, the Roman ancient adoption. Can you remember how it works? The Roman way of adoption is they didn't adopt. When we think of adoption, it's sometimes this little baby and we raise them in our houses. Roman adoption, they adopted adults, good looking men and women, mature young men, Sometimes living with their parents. But I adopt you for what? So that you can inherit the new father's social standing, wealth, political status, all those things. So an adopted son has all the rights like a child that's born in the family. Same rights, same place. And that's what God says now. Paul says, yes, predestined you for adoptions as sons through Christ Jesus. He has destined you. Come on, hear this. God has destined you. Actually, before that, He has predestined you for adoption as a son. God has predestined you to be a son, not an orphan. And as He says, according to the purpose of His will, 
hasn't just predestined you, it's His will, according to His will. Blessed be the God of Father, Ephesians 1.3. Our Lord and Jesus who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In what, what, do we need, what do we need to experience? The love. And he says this, that in love, he has predestined you. In the love that he has for you, he has predestined you for adoption as a son, according to his purpose. So Roman understanding of this, it breaks off an orphan spirit. Come on. God has got a Roman understanding, a Roman mind of adoption. In other words, when God says, I adopt you as a son, He brings you into His social standing, the wealth, the power, the kingdom. That what God has, everything belongs to Him. He brings you into that. Come on. Because you are worthy. You see, sonship is so important. It says, all of creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons. Creation is waiting for the sons to rise up. Creator, creation is waiting for the sons to be healed of the orphan heart and to come and bring the glory of God again. To bring forth because we were in a nature and creation used to know what we look like and they say we wait for that manifestation to come again. We wait for that fullness to come again. Come on. Let me just give you some more symptoms and we're going to pray. An orphan spirit operates out of insecurity and jealousy. Sonship functions out of love and acceptance. Sometimes we struggle battling jealousy and insecurity. Security originates from a full identity and the love, a secure relationship with the Father. Come on. If you had a strong relationship with your Father, you will have a great identity. Those who has a strong sense of sonship are secure in the Father's love. It's easy for you to accept the favor that comes with it. It's easy for you to accept. And you see, you're content to serve. doesn't matter if you're seen or not. Whether you are in charge or not, you can serve and pour selflessly. But when you're not healed, there's an insecurity. You're not sure. There's not confidence. The orphan spirit is jealous of success of his brothers. Are you glad for your brother or are you jealous? You see, the mature son is committed to the success of his brothers as well. Not just his own. If you have an orphan heart, you often, secretly in your heart, you're glad when your brother fails. You're like glad. It's like, yes. It happened. Blinder some book. You know, you're so glad that something just went wrong with them. But that's an orphan mindset. That's not building. That is because there's a hurt in your own heart. That's why the parable, the speaking about the, the, the what's it now? Hallelujah. The bulk. The splinter. What's it again? The speck. All right. He says, take the speck out of your own eye. 
because he says when you remove that you can clearly see he says don't not judge with the measure you judge you will be judged so my question is when you are judged how do you want to be judged when you are judged in what manner do you want to be judged let me tell you when I'm judged I want to be judged mercifully I, if I want to be judged I want you to judge me with, with having my family in mind the way I've been raised, I had three sisters, come on, more compassion, all right? Even the dogs were all female, we were outnumbered. Okay, so, so when you judge me, I want you to, to understand my, my struggles and my challenges and everything that I've went through before you judge me. Otherwise, don't judge. He says, because the measure you judge with is the measure that will be given back to you. So, so this is the thing. Don't be happy with your brother's failures. You see, the orphan spirit serves God to earn love. Not just because God loves us. You want to earn. It's like the escalator. Let me, ex- let me explain that. The escalator, you know what's the escalator, eh? the roll trapper. It works like this. Works. Orphan art, orphan spirit is running up that escalator that's moving down. And you're running and you're doing your works and all your efforts. And when something happens, boom, there's jealousy, there's sin, there's failure, whatever. You go and stand still. And now you're so sorry, but when you end up, where do you end up? Right at the bottom again. And now you need to get all your strength and get everything ready to run and have all these hard works. Because you want to get there to God on the top. And when you're ready, you start running again. But that's an orphan mindset. Works to earn the father's love. You see, mature sons has a sense of the acceptance and that you belong. It's standing on an escalator that goes up. And when you sin, he says, when you ask forgiveness, he's faithful to forgive you, to wipe away. Throws it in the sea of forgetfulness. He never thinks about it again. And when you repent and you open your eyes, you're still going up. You're still moving closer to him. That's the understanding of a son. Not constantly striving and trying to earn the father's love through your accomplishments, through your success, your achievements. Let's move a little bit faster. The orphan spirit tries to medicate its deep internal alienation through physical stimulation. Right? Mature son walks in the joy and the presence of the Lord for comfort. So sometimes we come and we start using things, substances, physical gratification, self-indulgence. But it's actually because you're trying to fill a hole that's empty. As you restore and you have a relationship with the Father, sometimes those needs for those things start to go away. Because there's a, there's a hole that you're trying to fill. The more you indulge, unfortunately, the more addicted you become the larger the hole in your heart becomes to fill. It's only the love of the Father that can come and touch and heal that. It's only the love of the Father that can can fill that deep emotional need that we have. Orphan spirit is driven by the need of success. Orphan spirit uses people as objects to fulfill goals. But a mature son serves people to bless the kingdom. 
Don't objectify people. Don't manipulate them with words. Don't try to, to do things, to have your way to control them. That's an orphan heart. A mature heart, sons, release other people to fulfill their calling. They release others to shine, to be able to be the star, to fill their destinies. An orphan spirit repels children. Hearts of sons attracts children. Orphan spirit is anger and fits of rage. The spirit of sonship rests in the father's ability to control and guide your future. Sometimes we have an orphan heart when you struggle with anger. When there's fits of rage. When there's forms of manipulation. When you want to control others. It's all signs. God wants to touch you. God wants to remind you and tell you who you are. Your identity. That you are loved. That you are made whole. That you are complete. Orphan spirit is always in competition with others. But a son wants to bless others. So often we're trying to outdo one another. There's only one place where the Bible says we have to outdo one another. And it says that's in showing glory and honor to one another. It says outdo one another with showing honor. Not outdo one another trying to shine. But sometimes we want to outdo one another in church, family, and business, and all these places. Keeping up with the Joneses. But you have the affirmation of God. Come on, two more. Orphan spirit lacks self-esteem. Sons walk in the love and the acceptance of God. Orphan spirit receives its primary identity through material possessions, physical appearance, activities. Spiritual sons or sons is grounded in sonship and the father's affirmation. Those with an orphan heart can never have enough career success. They never have enough possessions. We just need more. Pleasure or illicit relationships. Never healing the hole in their hearts. Come on, let's just close our hearts. Open your heart. Close your eyes. I've been working hard. Your heart needs to be open. God wants to heal it. You need to accept the love of the Father. And I pray that you will just come to a place where you say, Father, come and help me with this. Come and help me to start changing my mind and my heart to understand my identity. And I want to tell you this morning, you belong. You belong in the kingdom. You belong with the Father. You belong in this house. You belong in this family. I want to tell you that you have value and you have worth. Without you, we cannot function. I want to tell you that you are competent. Meaning you've got what it takes. You can do this. That Holy Spirit has made you competent to serve and do things in God's kingdom that you never thought even were possible. I pray that you will start understanding your identity, that you will not perish and waste your life away, but that you will start experiencing the abundance of life which is in Christ. 
You see, the only way to start breaking an orphan heart and an orphan spirit is to be filled with the Father's love. Love that casts out all fear, abandonment. To start taking on the new nature and the new identity. You don't have to try to earn the Father's love. This is the Father's will. In love, He has predestined us to become sons, not orphans. Sometimes you have to confess this and say it over and over and over and over to, to come and lay down a new pattern in your mind. So, Father, I even pray for the neuron tracks and those messages that formed in the brain that tells us the lies. That, Father, even in our hearts and in our minds and in our brains, you will come and heal and that there will be a new impulse. That there will be a new message from today on saying that you are His beloved. You belong to Him. You're a child of God. You've got what it takes. You are blessed. You are the head, not the tail. You belong. You are worth. You are able. Father, that you will come and heal our hearts and we'll receive that acceptance. read one more scripture again and then we're done how do you combat this walking in the spirit by the spirit you are a son Romans 8 15 and 16 again you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into fear of never being good enough but you received the spirit of full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God and you will never feel orphaned. For as He rises up within us, our spirits join Him in saying the words of tender affection, beloved Father. For the Holy Spirit makes His fatherhood real to us. Here's the key. The Holy Spirit makes His fatherhood real to us. And then whispers in our innermost being, you are God's beloved child. May you by the Holy Spirit as you start walking with Him, Get those words and may the Holy Spirit start to make the fatherhood of God so real to you that you will be healed, complete, that you will be touched and transformed, that you will be renewed and restored so that you can walk in your purpose, can walk in your fullness, can walk in your destiny, that you can lift your head and know I am a son of the living God. Come on, let's stand together. Father, we come this morning and we say thank you, Lord, that as we come and we lift our hands to you, we say, Father, we need, we need you to come and touch us and minister to us. We need your Holy Spirit to lead us. We need your Spirit to come and set us free. And those whom the Son sets free are free indeed. That, Father, we will come to understand our place and that we belong in your family. We call the sons of God. So I bless everyone here, Father. I bless them to receive the adoption. I bless them to receive the fullness of sons. I bless them, Father, to receive their identity in you, to know who they are in you, not to step back, but, Father, even those who are fearful, that we will come to a place of overcoming, having victory, so that we can see your goodness. I bless them with your fullness. 
By what spirit do you live? We live by the spirit of adoption as sons of the Holy God. We give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's praise Thank God. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to know more about who we are and what we do, go visit our website at bchurch.co.za. Reformed to function. Let's be church.